Hello, mummers. This is episode three in our prolapse series, talking all about navigating pregnancy and birth with a prolapse. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio Laura. Hello, mummers, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We are on episode three of our five-part prolapse series today. So remember, if you haven't already, you need to go check out episode one and two before you listen to today's episode because it really is all put in a logical order for this prolapse series. So we've already covered the ins and outs on exactly what a prolapse is, what you would feel, the symptoms you might have, plus also the main treatment pillars that you need to know about. So definitely go check those out before we jump into today's episode. Today's episode is always, always, always ask whenever I mention the word prolapse and it's how do you navigate pregnancy and birth with a prolapse? So I think you're going to love this episode, whether you're pregnant right now, maybe you're, you know, not far off having a birth with your prolapse and you're unsure about the things you might need to think about or the the factors that you need to consider. Is it going to get worse? What's, you know, the best way to deliver this baby? Should I have any more babies? Should I have any more pregnancies? I know this is a common question that comes up. I knew I needed to do a whole episode just on this topic. So that's what today's episode is all about. So I know a lot of people probably want to listen to this episode and go, yep, Laura's going to tell me this is what I should do or this is what I shouldn't do. It's not black and white. I wish I had a magic eight ball that could say, if you do this, this is the result, but we don't. And that's the beauty of it as well as you know, what makes us scared. But today I'm going to present you with the evidence that we know of. Plus, I'm going to present you with all the questions I think is worth thinking about when it comes to navigating pregnancy and future births if you do have a prolapse. So I think this can be really helpful food for thought for you. And as always with this series, we're going to be hearing from Pregnancy Posse members sharing their stories. And I think that's going to give you some really good perspectives on what they went and did with their future pregnancies and births. And it'll give you a wide range of experiences as well. Um, There was a whole heap of different responses when it came to their individual story. So I think that would be really cool to hear from them as well. And if you are listening to this episode and you are currently pregnant and you have a prolapse and you're wondering how you're going to navigate this journey, I do invite you to come over to the Pregnancy Posse and check it out. We have prolapse-friendly workouts for everyone. We have loads of information on how to manage your prolapse, how to manage your bowels, how to manage incontinence or pelvic floor troubles that you might be having. You can ask me all of your burning questions and there's a wonderful community of women as well. So I think it would be really great for you to come and join us if you're feeling a bit isolated on your pregnancy journey. You can go and find us at thepregnancyposse.com and you can trial it for seven days. But without further ado, let's jump into episode three, chatting all about navigating pregnancy and birth with a prolapse. Enjoy, ladies. Hello, ladies. Today, we are talking all about pregnancy and birth with a prolapse. This is, I feel like I say this all the time, but this is such a hot topic, such a common fear that a lot of women have around Having a prolapse as well, a lot of their thoughts go straight to, well, what does this mean if I want to have more children? What does this mean if I want to have another pregnancy? How shall I deliver my next child? What is the best way forward for my prolapse, you know, for birth, for, you know, my long-term recovery, my short-term recovery? There's so many questions. Now, I want to preface this with saying I do not have a magic eight ball. So I'm going to show you the evidence and 
you know, the research that has been done and what that says. And I'm also going to provide you with a list of questions to consider as well, because what you need to take from this episode is that you are a unique individual. Your prolapse, even if it's graded as, let's say, a stage two bladder prolapse and, you know, Jane next to you also has a stage two bladder prolapse. It doesn't mean that the exact same choice is going to be the best choice for both of you because there's so many factors to consider. It's not as simple as this stage of prolapse equals this for your pregnancy or future birth. So this, it's so much gray. Uh, it's definitely not black and white. So I'm not going to be on here saying, well, this is exactly what you should be doing, but I'm going to pr- be providing you with hopefully some good food for thought and some encouraging words so that you know that this is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you can't go on to have children. Absolutely not. Um, It's just about how can we best manage this and how can we allay your fears as best as possible? So I hope it helps, Um, but let's get into it. So the first thing I wanted to address is Will my prolapse get worse during pregnancy? Because this is obviously a big concern for a lot of women because the growing weight of pregnancy plus all the hormonal changes has women freaking out that their prolapse is going to be dragging, hanging out of them, heavy, really uncomfortable in subsequent pregnancies. So I wanted to talk about this first. So the added weight of pregnancy combined with the softening of those pelvic ligaments that we mentioned before, for some women may mean that they are more symptomatic of their prolapse. So this does not necessarily mean that the prolapse is getting worse, i.e. the anatomical position of the prolapse is worse, i.e. it's dropped lower. And it also doesn't mean that in the long term that prolapse is worse either. It might just mean that they are more aware of it because it's under strain. So if you remember back in my first episode when I was describing what a prolapse is, those ropes that you know those fascia and those ligaments imagine the ropes that hold up your organs they're being pulled a little bit more because of the growing weight in pregnancy and the extra pressure on your pelvic area so if you're tugging on a rope you're going to feel that more so again it doesn't necessarily mean that in the long term it's any worse or even in the short term it's anatomically any worse it's just that there's more symptoms you're able to feel it more because that tugging is stronger so yes for some women it may mean that they are more symptomatic during their pregnancy because of that added weight but again long term that doesn't necessarily transfer over and again going back to my first two episodes there is so much that you can still do about it so it's not just something that you go oh well I'm putting on extra weight during this pregnancy my pelvis is loaded up more I feel more symptomatic of my prolapse and I'm just going to have to put up with it not at all there is so much that you can do to still help manage that between exercises and maybe pessaries and you know just a really good management plan you probably have to put a little bit more effort in than if you weren't pregnant, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have to put up with that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just going to get worse and worse and worse throughout your pregnancy. So I really hope that's hopeful for women listening to this, that yes, whilst for some women, it may be more symptomatic, it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. It doesn't mean that it's only going to get worse as pregnancy carries on. And on the flip side of that coin, and I've seen this a lot, and I really hope for you that you might be in this category, I actually find for some women that their prolapse can be better in subsequent pregnancies. And the reason why this is, is because they've had, say, their first baby and then they've developed prolapse and they've had symptoms and they've started rehab and they've gone to see their women's health physio. So when they come to their second or third or whatever pregnancy it might be, 
They've got so much knowledge and so much education, so much rehab under their belt to manage their symptoms that they're actually in a much better position than the first time when they didn't know about prolapse management. So I find for some women, they're actually better because they know how to exercise safely. They know how to engage their pelvic floor muscles. They know that they should definitely not be straining on the toilet. They know how to wear their pessary and whatever other management plan that they've trialed before, they know how to do this. So they're on top of it before it becomes a bit of a problem or as soon as they feel it becoming an issue, they know exactly what they need to do to manage it. So like I said, for some women, this might actually get better in subsequent pregnancies because they're really on top of it. So it may not be an issue for them. I've had many a women come through really, really worried because they've gone, oh my God, I've just fallen pregnant, Laura. You know, obviously I had this prolapse after my first birth. Oh, what does it mean? But they're straight into their Pilates. They're straight into their pelvic floor exercises. They're straight onto their management plan. And they really surprise themselves as to how well they manage throughout the pregnancy. And again, I'm not trying to put false hope in people. I'm not trying to say, oh, hunky-dory, you know, no problems. It takes effort. Uh, It takes, you know, knowledge and education and often really pairing up with a great women's health physio. But it is possible that it's not going to be a problem for some women. So I think that's really reassuring for women to know. So that's what I wanted to say about pregnancy in terms of managing it and if you want to get those management plans and options again go back to episode two that's where I talk about all of that and definitely hook yourself in with a women's health physio it's the best thing you can do what I know a lot of women want to know though and again I'm not a magic eight ball and I'm not going to give you a black and white answer but the question is can I go on to have a natural birth if I have a prolapse or do I need to have a cesarean section and will it get worse with subsequent natural births so if I have another natural birth Will my prolapse just automatically be worse? So I'm going to come at this with the research that we know about at the moment. Okay, so I'm just going to lay it out on paper and then I'm going to ask you some questions so you can consider for you what the best options are. So from the research, right, we know that your risk of prolapse, again, listen to what I'm saying, your risk of prolapse, I'm not saying you will get a prolapse, your risk of prolapse will increase with the more vaginal births you have. So we know that to be true. So the more vaginal births you have, the the studies suggest that with each vaginal delivery, you will increase your risk of prolapse by 10 to 20%. Okay. Again, that's quite a small number. So if you're sitting there going, oh my God, 10 to 20%, not huge, okay? But yes, we do know the more vaginal births you have, the more your risk of prolapse does increase. There are other risk factors too. Now, forceps does increase your risk of prolapse. Babies more than four and a half kilos do increase your risk of prolapse. And a prolonged second stage. Now, second stage, for anyone who doesn't know, is your pushing phase. So if you have a really, really long pushing phase, which is often classified as more than two hours, then that can increase your risk of prolapse. Now, studies show that increasing vaginal parity, which is a fancy term for the more vaginal births you have, that that is the strongest indicator for prolapse in women younger than 60. So to say that in a simpler way, the strongest indicator for prolapse in women beyond 60 was how many vaginal births that they had had. So an increase in vaginal births was a really strong correlation to prolapse. So again, just coming back to what I said at the start, your risk of prolapse will increase with the more vaginal births you have. However, this is what also what I want you to know. Other research has shown that a second delivery, so you've had one, now you're onto your second, does not seem to have a major impact on bladder support or levator function. Le- levator function is 
essentially how your pelvic floor is functioning. So in a simple way, what that is suggesting is that I don't want to use that word, but I'm trying to think of a better word. Quote unquote, the the most damage, and I don't mean to say damage in like a negative tone. I'm just the most stretched, the most strained, the most um, work that has been put on that area happens in the first birth. And that maybe the second birth really is not adding too much more to it. So a lot of what's already been done has been done in that first birth. So Um, the second birth, there's not going to be too much change. I hope that makes sense. Well, I'm trying to take the research (laughs) and like put it in really simple terms. I don't want to confuse you with like technical words or anything like that. So I hope that makes sense. So that's like the positive note because I don't want you to take out of this, oh my God, the research says that every vaginal birth I have increases my risk of prolapse. Because whilst that is true, we know that to be true. We also know to be true from the research that your bladder movement and your levator or your muscle function doesn't seem to change too much in that second delivery. So maybe it's not so bad after your first delivery. Again, magic eight ball. We're not entirely sure. Everybody is different and everybody responds to birth differently. So this is where it comes to my questions. And again, I'm not going to be able to give you any answers, but I think this is going to be some really great food for thought for those women sitting there right now who are pregnant with their second or third or fourth babies who have a prolapse. Maybe you're symptomatic, maybe you're not symptomatic, but maybe you're worried about what this means for your birth. And maybe you're sitting there right now trying to decide, should I have a vaginal delivery or should I have a cesarean section? What is the right option for me? Maybe that's not even on your radar yet. And if that's the case, then that's cool. I don't want to confuse you by putting more questions on you. Maybe you're completely fine with just carrying on um, having a you know normal physiological birth and it's not a problem for you. But I know there are a lot of women who are thinking, I have to make a decision and what is the best decision? So I'm going to walk you through some questions that I think are worth considering if you are in this position where you're confused about what is the right birth choice for you. So the first question is, how symptomatic is your prolapse right now? So do you have any long-term symptoms from when you had your prolapse, is it still bothering you or is it completely resolved? And did your symptoms improve with rehab after your first birth? So if they did, did they resolve completely? Uh, Did you have any lingering symptoms? How long did it take for conservative rehab to help you? Do you feel like it helped you a little bit or did it help you a lot? Did it only improve your symptoms ever so slightly or did it completely get rid of your prolapse symptoms? And what steps on that conservative management journey did you have to take? Did you only have to do pelvic floor exercises or did you have to do six to nine months of Pilates? Did you have to wear a pessary? Think about how much rehab you had to do to get a good result, a medium result, a bad result. Just how much did rehab help you? I want you to have a think about that because that's going to give you a really good indication of how much rehab is going to help you after this next birth as well because you've responded really well to it or not after your first. Another question to consider, were there any factors in your birth that may have contributed to your prolapse but could potentially be modifiable this time around, i.e. the pushing phase? So we know that having a really lengthy pushing phase is correlated to increasing your risk of prolapse. So were you doing any instructed or coached pushing? Because we know that instinctual pushing is a better way for your prolapse 
a better method, I guess, for baby coming out without that extra strain. So we don't want to be purple pushing or instructed coach pushing a lot. Ideally, we'd just be going with our own instinctive reflexes. So is that something that could be modified this time around? If you were instructed to push, why was that? Uh, Was it necessary? And could that be different this time around? Could you be doing some birth preparation, you know, and leaning into some really effective ways to push and learning how to find that instinctual reflexive need to push and maybe if you do need to assist it could you do it better is there could you use the coffee plunger instead of doing the valsalva you know is there a better way for you to push having a think about that if you had forceps um questioning was there a true need for forceps could this be avoided next time Or what other options could you discuss with your care provider that avoids the use of forceps? We know that they're a strong risk factor for prolapse. So, you know, really sitting down and maybe debriefing your last birth and asking if you don't already know, like, why was forceps used? Okay, that's why it was used. Could we have waited or could we have used something else? Could we have tried something else that maybe could have avoided the use of forceps? And if that presentation were to happen again in my next birth, could we have a system in place or a management plan, you know, a birth plan in place that has forceps as the last option? So we try A, B and C before we go to forceps. So just again, thinking about this, thinking about what position did you push in last time? And could this position change to maybe help you with that pushing phase? So, you know, a lot of women, I don't think there's necessarily a right way to push because some women classically um, pushing on your back, say, is demonized because it's not like the best open pelvic outlet position for delivering a baby. In saying that, I'm careful not to demonize pushing on your back because some women actually intuitively feel better on their back. So I don't want to demonize any position in pushing, but we do know that there is studies and research associated with upright positioning being more effective for the pushing phase. So being on your knees or, you know, lounged over a fitball or the back of the bed or, or whatnot, or being on your side can be a really nice position for some women. So I think it's about, were you able to be in a position that felt best and most comfortable for you? And if not, could this be changed next time? So thinking about that, obviously talking to your care team, it's really important that you and your care team are on the exact same page. You do not want to be at odds with each other. You want to be in harmony and in agreement, and there's a really healthy respect and open dialogue and conversation. So what is the advice from your care team? What is the research um, on what they're presenting to you and ask have questions, have a really good dialogue with them. Um, This is a conversation between the two of you. It's not a, you get told what to do or you tell them what to do. It's a harmonious relationship and you really need to foster that. So making sure, you know, you sit down with your birth team and have a really good conversation about what their advice is, what your feelings and, you know, what you want to do and the questions that you have and make sure you have that open dialogue. Other questions to consider are, how many children would you like? So that's really important. So if you want to have a really big family versus you only want to have one more baby, that's really going to change the preferences for how this birth goes. So that's a really important um, option to consider is how many children do you want to have? And also knowing what are the risk factors for all birth options? So I think sometimes we can go into it Um from a negative standpoint towards vaginal birth because that is a big risk factor for your prolapse. But we also need to know what are the risk factors for a cesarean birth? 
So we need to know what are we dealing with here? We need to have all the information laid out so that we can make a really healthy, informed decision. So what are the risk factors for having another vaginal birth? And I've just given you some of those, but also what are the risk factors for having a cesarean birth? Because neither, no birth option comes without risk. There is always some element of risk. It's whatever risk you feel most comfortable with. And then my final question, which in so many ways I think is the most important question, what is your gut or what is your intuition telling you? Because there is something for mother's intuition. There is something for what your body, your baby, your gut, your intuition, your soul, the universe, whatever you want to call it, there is really something for honoring that. So what is that telling you is your best option? Not what fear is telling you, not what your head is telling you, not what your mom, your grandma, your sister, your obstetrician, your midwife, not what anyone else is telling you. What are you feeling is the right choice for you? I think that's a really important question to finish up. So I hope that leaves you with some really good food for thought. Sorry if anyone came into this podcast thinking, you beauty, Laura is going to tell me all the answers so that this decision is really easy for me. (laughs) No, sorry, not going to be my place. Here's just some food for thought. Here's some research so that you can go away and make a really informed decision about what you want to do for subsequent pregnancies and births. Okay, so I hope that helps. Okay, ladies, we are now going to hear some very special and vulnerable stories from my wonderful Pregnancy Posse members who went on after prolapse to have more pregnancies and more births. And I think it's going to be really special to be able to hear from these women. They have picked a variety of different options. They had a variety of different experiences. Some went on to have vaginal births, some went on to have C-sections. I think it gives you a really good broad perspective on what other women have been through and experienced and it may help you on your journey I hope at least so enjoy so I have just had my second baby he's seven months old now and yeah it was great basically throughout the whole pregnancy I wore my pessary every day instead of just when I was exercising just to have that extra support I think I sort of started doing that maybe about halfway through and it didn't it didn't really get much worse at all it was expected to get a little bit worse but the place where it was after having my second baby wasn't as bad as it was after the, the first time so yeah I had a really really good good birth and it was um it was really just great so yeah it was it was something I was quite worried about and yeah it was it was fantastic I've now had my second child a little girl there was an 18 month gap between my son and my daughter she's now 15 months old I was able to carry her full term 40 plus four weeks I had her vaginally again we had no problems with my prolapse even though I went back to my women's health physio throughout my pregnancy from about six months of my pregnancy I saw her on a regular basis just to monitor and be a bit more proactive with my care and management just in case Um, It probably helped that my daughter wasn't as heavy as my son. My son was 4.1 kilos. My daughter was only 3.8. So the pressure on my pelvic floor was much less. But also my labor was so much easier the second time around. You know, for my son, I was pushing for almost an hour. He was in a really awkward position because of how big he was. It was just a really stressful kind of labor. But with my daughter, it was so quick, you know, like... I only pushed twice and she was out. So there was not as much pressure on my pelvic floor in terms of carrying her or labouring her. 
So when I was going through my recovery, I recovered so much quicker. Only probably a couple of months max did was I with my women's health physio and there was not even really a prolapse. It was just weakness that we managed. So there is absolutely positive stories about going on to have other babies, which I was so worried about, but it was really successful for me. I've since given birth and I agonised basically the whole pregnancy about what the right avenue was for me to take. I ended up also getting a an, a pelvic floor ultrasound which determined that I had torn the muscle of the bone on one side of my pelvic floor and the other side had a tear through it. And so that sort of information, I guess, led me to make the decision that I just wasn't willing to lose both sides. Um, again, like there's no right or wrong. I just, I, I got, I got to, I made that decision and I felt comfortable with that decision. Throughout the pregnancy, I was symptom free and yeah, it didn't really affect me throughout the pregnancy at all, aside from me agonizing about whether to attempt another vaginal birth or whether to go for the C-section. I did go on to have another pregnancy. I had an elective C-section, so I just couldn't bring myself to mentally prepare for the pushing phase as I'd come so far from where I had been initially after my diagnosis emotionally. So just didn't want to risk putting myself back there at all. So I'm 25 weeks pregnant with my second baby and all going well so far. I haven't had any symptoms of prolapse re-emerge yet. Unfortunately for me, I, due to other complications in my first birth, I won't be attempting a vaginal birth this time around and it, and it will be a C-section. I'm 20 weeks pregnant and having this third bubba, it is making me feel a little bit nervous about what that delivery might mean. I'm very keen to not have a cesarean delivery and speaking with the obstetrician, I, I'm thinking if, if this baby is on track to be a, a big bubba, we might decide to for an early induction, probably trying to avoid that, like it, an excessively big bubba, just to try and reduce or minimise any damage for, of prolapse with this third delivery. Um, I also had a third degree tear in that, in that second delivery. Hi ladies, I hope you love this episode. As always, I really hope you love the stories as well from the Pregnancy Posse members sharing their experience of navigating pregnancy and birth with a prolapse. And I would love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura. I think it'd be really cool if you could share, if you felt inclined to share your story uh, about pregnancy or about birth with a prolapse let me know how it went. Comment on my post for this podcast or send me a DM if you want to explain a little bit more detail because I would love to be able to share these with my audience as well because again, I think it's this thing where people feel so alone. Even though we know it's so common, women feel so alone in their experience of navigating future pregnancies and births with a prolapse and they'd love to hear from you, I'm sure. So if you feel inclined to come and chat to me about it, I would love to hear from you. Come on over to at PhysioLaura and let me know what your experience with this has been and if you feel inclined to share and I would love to share it with my audience too I think it would be a great way to build up 
some community where women don't feel like they're the only ones navigating this right now. And again, whilst I said in this episode, I don't have a magic eight ball where I can say, if you do this, you know, that's the result. And I can't share with you, well, if Jane did this, this was her result. Well, therefore, you know, the same thing's going to happen to you. But I think there is something for knowing other women have walked a similar path to you before anyway. So definitely come on over, say hello. I love hearing from you, knowing that you're listening to this podcast and I'd love to know where you're listening to it. I love to know all the things about you and this podcast experience. So please come on over and say hello and share with me and make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast because we still have two amazing episodes left in this series that are going to be dropping over the next couple of weeks. So you don't want to miss out, definitely subscribe. And if you want to watch this whole series all at once, plus see the bonus video that I did for this prolapse series where I get my whiteboard out and I share with you the ins and outs of exactly what a prolapse looks like, where a pessary sits, how the pelvic floor helps in a prolapse, what the front walls and the back walls of the vagina are doing and so much more. It's a really good description of prolapse on the whiteboard, really diagrammatical. It helps women just, it clicks into place what a prolapse is doing. Anyway, that's the bonus video. If you want to check out this whole series plus the bonus video, Plus all our amazing prolapse friendly workouts, pregnancy friendly workouts, a beautiful community of women. You know the drill, thepregnancyposse.com. Come and chat with me over at The Pregnancy Posse. You can trial it for seven days. I would love to see you in there. Otherwise, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes that would be dropping next week. And we will be talking all about exercise with a prolapse, which again, another hot topic. I know you want to know all about this and we cover all bases. So definitely stay tuned for that. Otherwise, wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you're having a wonderful day. You're being kind to yourself. You're looking after yourself and you are feeling good. I'll chat to you all then. Bye.